Well, speaking of that, guys, today is your last training time. You're going to be learning on healing. There was this word going around that when Christy Brent got healed, that a healing revival was going to break out in America. If you don't know the story, she had Lyme's disease for 37, almost 38 years. Like, in bed almost every day for about 38 years. And doctors said there was no hope, there was no healing, there was no cure, there was no way that anything would change. And her husband, Brian Brandt, who just passed away last year, faithfully believed for 38 years, you're going to be healed. You see, a lot of times when we don't see the breakthrough, we get discouraged and we believe that God's not going to do it. I understand. My, my grandma's paralyzed on one side of her body. I've been praying for her for years and she's still, for 12 years, been laying in that bed eating out of a tube. But I cannot let my circumstances determine my doctrine. I have to let the word of God determine my doctrine. My mom has also a problem with her eye. It twitches. I've been praying in faith, believing for years that it would go away, and I haven't seen the healing. But if I let that determine my theology, I won't pray for anyone else, and the thousands I've seen healed would not get healed just because I was upset with God that the one I wanted healed didn't get healed. And this is how those types of belief systems are formed. It's because in a moment we pray and we don't see it happen. So then we say, well, if it didn't happen in this moment, it must not be happening anymore. But guys, we cannot let our circumstances determine who God is. We have to let God determine our circumstances. Okay, and so <clears throat> I'm going to be talking about healing today. What happened with Christy Brent is after 38 years, her husband, every single year for her birthday for 38 years, would buy her a brand new set of sneakers because she used to love running and then she couldn't run anymore because she was laid in bed, fatigued, weak, could hardly move. And he would buy her a new set of shoes every year for her birthday and say, babe, this year you're going to run again. Guys, for 38 years he believed and didn't quit believing that she would see a healing in her life. He did not let the outcome of his prayers determine his circumstances. He let the word of God uh, uh, determine his theology. He let the word of God determine it. And if the Bible says it's real, then it's real. Okay? And so he prays for 38 years. Every year buying a new pair of shoes, believing this is the year. Year one, year two, year 10, year 15, year 20, year 25. Let's be honest. Who would have given up? Who would have just been like, oh, it must be God's will for you to just stay like that? Totally. But he modeled for us something. He modeled for us faith. Because he believed for 38 years, and then they went to the Send Orlando. And she stood on that stage, and Bill Johnson came up and said, Limes is nothing for Jesus. And the power of God hit her, and she put on her running shoes that next morning, and she's been running every single morning ever since. <laughs> Guys, healing is real, and it is for today. Is it going to work every single time you pray? No. Why? I have my own opinion about my own life. I believe that if every single person I prayed for got healed, I would start posting it all on Instagram so I could become famous. I would start these big conferences where you have to pay to get in so that people could come and get prayer for healing and get healed and I would make a lot of money. Can I be honest? I believe if we had a 100% success rate, we would use it for our own advantage. 
And another thing I believe, we would stop depending on God. We would only depend on ourselves because we know that we can do it and we don't need him to help us. You know what happens when people don't get healed every time? It causes us to lean into God. Forces us to lean into God. And so is it going to happen every time? No, but will it happen? Yes. And here's what I would rather see. I would rather pray for a hundred people and only see one healing and pray for a thousand a year and see a hundred healings than pray for no people all year and see no healings. Like imagine if one out of every hundred people you prayed for got healed. All I would do is increase the amount of times I'm praying for it. If I only have a, a 1% or a 10% success rate, I'm just going to increase the number of attempts. So that way I see it more. Because what happens, we go, oh, well, I didn't see it, so I must not have it. I must not be able to do it. I got good news for you. You can't do it. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Guys, this whole thing on healing is about Jesus. His name is Jehovah Rapha. It's part of his nature. His name is Jehovah Rapha. It's part of his essence is to heal. And so when we're talking about healing, it's who he is. So we're going to talk about this today. We're going to go for about an hour at the end. We're going to see a bunch of people get healed. You guys excited for that? <laughs> guys, Jesus is the healer. He's the healer. It's Jesus. It's all Jesus. It's him. Our faith is not in our prayers. Our faith is not in our faith. Our faith is not in us. Our faith is not in our anointing. Our faith is in Jesus. And when our faith is in Jesus, we will see Jesus do what Jesus does. Does that make sense? Lord, I just pray right now for the gift of faith to fall in this room. And God, you know what else I pray for? I pray for the healing anointing to fall on every person in this room. Lord, we thank you that we're going to leave this place and we're going to go back to school and we're going to see you heal people at school. Just like my friend Brett who went back to school, went to the lunch line, and a guy in a wheelchair got out of the wheelchair and just kept walking and never has gone back in a wheelchair again. Lord, we just believe that this room is filled with future testimonies like that. At our schools, at our local stores, at our local parks, in our neighborhoods, Father, in our families. I just ask right now that the, the anointing for healing would fall upon every person in this room. And we receive it, Lord. And we thank you that you're the giver of good gifts. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so here's what I'm going to touch on. I'm going to share kind of a little Bible verse, a little bit on the Bible. A couple little things that I've kind of wrestled through myself. I'm going to share some stories. And then we're going to pray for people. I'm going to give you practicals and then we're going to pray over each other. If we were afraid to use the gifts of the spirit around believers, we'll never be bold enough to use them around the lost. I, I fully believe that. I fully believe that if, 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 if I'm afraid to pray in tongues in front of my brother, chances are I'm probably going to cultivate that fear around the lost. And when God asks me to pray for them, I'm not going to do it. So I, I'm here just, I'm just fear breaking. Like, believe me, I, I feel all the same things you feel. I swear I do. But the cool thing is, Jesus doesn't make us bow to fear. He makes fear bow to him. And so we have the opportunity to crush fear and, and operate in those things wherever we go. And so, okay, 
Don't be afraid. Look, I got, I got my praying tongue shirt on today just, just to encourage everyone. Man, the gifts of the Spirit are beautiful. First, if you don't know what I'm talking about, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 down to 11, study that. They're, they're, they're for today. That church, that, that letter was written to the church. It's for today. Healing, miracles, uh, faith, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. There's nine of them. Guys, study those. They are for today. But today we're just going to be talking about healing, okay? Okay, on the topic of healing, I'm just going to share a couple Bible verses. I lost my Bible. If you see my Bible laying around, let me know where it's at. I'm having to borrow somebody's right now. Okay, I'm gonna, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to open up to John chapter 14, verse 9. I'm just gonna, it's going to feel a little like a lecture, okay? I'm going I'm to touch a couple Bible verses, and then we're going to jump back into some activation. If we finish early, I'll, I'll try to play a game with you guys where we can do words of knowledge. Okay, if we finish early. Okay, John 14, 9. It says, Jesus answered... Don't you know me, Philip, even, I, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? Jesus is telling Thomas. Thomas, they call him Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas is like, I ain't going to believe that Jesus raised from the dead until I put my finger in them holes and in the hole in his ribs. Jesus shows up. He's like, hey, bro. Thomas like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. He's like, no, no, no. I heard what you said. Go ahead. So this is Thomas. And, Th and Thomas is talking to Jesus. He's like, hey, bro, Jesus, what's the, like, tell me what the father's like. You got to show me, like, who's the father? What's he like? And Jesus is like, Thomas, Tommy, come on, man. Really? I've been with you all these years, and you still can't tell that I am the image of the Father. I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. If you've seen me, you've already seen the Father. Why am I saying this? Because if Jesus did it, that means the Father wanted it to be done. It is the desire of the Father to heal. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have done it. Yeah, check this out. I'm going to read another, chapter, another verse. John chapter 5, verse 19. It says this. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. Another translation says, I only do the will of my father. Are you getting this? Jesus only did the will of his father. When we're studying theology, Jesus is who we look to for our theology. He is perfect theology. He is God. Okay, so when we're studying theology, when we're studying God, we look to Jesus as our image of the father. And here Jesus is saying himself, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only do the will of the Father. So here's my question. If he only did the will of the Father, do you think he ever went against the will of the Father? 
Do you ever think he went against his father's will? Well, Jesus healed all the time. So is it the father's will or is it not the father's will for healing to happen? Am I saying every time there's going to be a healing? No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying Jesus said, I only do the will of my father. And Jesus healed over and 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 over. Some passages say he would go to a city and heal all who were sick. It doesn't say some. Some cities literally say all who are sick. Well, how come when I pray for everyone, they don't get healed? Because I'm not Jesus. I don't know if I have the character for every person that I pray for to get healed. Because you know what would happen? Just like John G. Lake, back in the early 1900s, he had a healing anointing, saw 100,000 incurable diseases healed. You know what happened? He had lines of people in his front yard before the sun even came out wanting to come and get healed. Let me ask you a question. Would you have the character and the love to have no more of your own life and from morning to night be praying for people to get healed and never have the opportunity to hang out with your friends and enjoy your hobbies and do the things that you love doing? Or do you think you might get a little frustrated after a while? You think you might start getting a little bitter after a while? You think you might start saying, I don't want to do this anymore. People just use me. You see, we don't have the character to sustain a perfect healing anointing the way Jesus did. But what we can do is lay down our lives and allow that character to be built where we do see progressively more and more healings throughout our life. Because as we follow Jesus and not give up on him, we begin to look more and more like him. Okay, so is this encouraging? Is this, is this helpful? Are you understanding? Okay. I'm teaching some, like, theology right now. But I, I just want to, I want to impart this to you. Because I believe it's important for your generation. We believe that Christy Brent's healing was a signpost of a healing revival. And I believe that when God's searching to and from the earth, he's looking in this tent saying, here's my healing evangelist. You're who he's going to use. Okay. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, it says, Jesus is the splitting image of the invisible God. He's the splitting image of the invisible God. Splitting image. Meaning, when you look at Jesus, you can go, oh, this is what the Father's like. You can look at Jesus and go, oh, I understand the Father now. This is what he's like. There's some other stuff I could say, but I'm not going to say it. I'm just going to give you one more verse. One more verse. Is this helpful? Okay, check this out. So I've studied tons of healing evangelists. I've, I've read like big fat books. Because I'm like, man, I need to know what these dudes believed. What Bible verses were they reading? What was their prayer life like? What was the revelation they unlocked in order to see the stuff they were seeing? Like Smith Wigglesworth, guys, this guy... His wife died five times and he raised her from the dead five times. So finally the last time she was like, Smith, please stop raising me back. I want to be with Jesus already. He went to a funeral one day and they got mad at him because he went to the funeral and kicked everybody out of the funeral. 
Can you imagine your family member dies and you're sitting there crying and all of a sudden some guy grabs you, starts pulling your shirt, kicks you out and locks the door? And everyone's like banging on the door like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Kicks everybody out. Goes to the coffin. They're looking through the crack in the door and they're looking through the window. He pulls the body out of the coffin and takes it up to the wall and starts slamming it against the wall. Come back. Come back. Come back. And everyone's banging on the door. Are you out of your mind? Boom, 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 boom. Everyone's going crazy. You know what happens? The guy comes back to life. So I'm like, I'm like, yo, I need to know what Bible you're reading, what translation, and which verses. And so I read his story, and I'm understanding what he, what he was reading. Guys, Reinhard Bonnke, he just passed away two years ago. He saw 77 million people get saved in Africa in his lifetime. Can you imagine arriving to heaven one day, and there's millions of people saying, thank you, it's because of you that I'm here. They crowd surf you to the throne. Even cooler for him because they're all black because it's in Africa. So it literally is just like this big army of black Africans carrying him to the throne. He's like, yeah. But guys, check this out. They would set up tents like this all around because he would throw crusades and over a million people would gather. I read his book. It took me like 30 hours. It's the fattest book ever. He would throw these big tents all over the place because at any single moment, there's a million people there. The whole tents, there was, they were all over the place, were filled from front to back with people getting demons cast out. They would bring 18 wheelers and put them all around the gathering because at the end of the night, people would leave and they would fill up 18 wheelers with wheelchairs, casts, canes, crutches, all kinds of stuff that people would rip off and they were healed and they would leave it on the floor. 18 wheelers, wheeled away, filled with healing paraphernalia. And they would just go give it away at the local Goodwills and the local shops. I'm like, yo, what Bible verses are you reading, my G? I'm trying to learn from you. I know, I'm, I'm in seminary right now. I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm, I'm studying right now. And I literally read some of my books, and they say, Healing is not for today. Christians cannot cast demons today. And I'm like, what are you talking about, man? I'm seeing this stuff every week. We cannot let some brainiac determine our theology. Jesus has to be our theology. Jesus determines our theology. What does the Bible say, guys? This is what we're reading. I'm not saying don't study theology. I love theology. I study all kinds of different theologians. But I'm just saying, when I start seeing these people's lives, I'm like, okay, I see the fruit of your life. What, what, what was the revelation that led to that? Okay? I can give you tons of I can literally sit here and give you hundreds of stories. I'll give you one of my own. I was just in Paraguay a couple years ago. I mean, uh, a couple weeks ago, like six weeks ago. I was in Paraguay, and I went to a skate park, and I'm like skating around. I lead this dude to Jesus, and I'm like having some more fun skating. And all of a sudden, I hear the Holy Spirit say, that guy over there is a drug addict, and he needs prayer. I go, all right, cool. So I roll up to him. I go, hey, man. My name's Frenchie. What's your name? He tells me his name. I'm like, cool, cool, cool. Hey, so I was actually just standing over there, and it was so crazy. I heard God tell me that you need prayer because you're addicted to drugs. And he just goes. I go, what? He's like. He hands me a can. I open it up. There's a crack rock the size of a golf ball. I'm like, bro, what are you doing with this much crack? There's like $10,000 worth of crack. What are you doing with this? He's like, I've been smoking crack since I was nine. 
my mom was an addict when she was pregnant with me and gave birth to me, and I've been addicted ever since I was a little kid. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my heart just started to melt. It's like, bro, I love you. I'm so sorry. Man, can I, can I be really honest with you? He's like, yeah, I started preaching the gospel to him. I go, I was a drug addict too, but Jesus set me free. I start preaching the gospel. He gives his life to Jesus. That's just the beginning of the story. I go, hey, man, I want to pray for those demons to come out because addiction is usually correlated to a demon. I got demons cast out of me in that tent over there. And ever since I got those demons cast out, I haven't touched a drug. And so I'd love to be able to pray for you. He's like, please, yes, I need that. Pray for him. He gets delivered. I'm like, let's go here at a skate park. This is crazy. There's no band. There's no, like, ministry time. It's just me and you. And I go, how do you feel right now? He goes, ah, oh, I, I feel really good, but I have this really bad pain in my leg. I'm like, oh, okay, let's pray. I see, like, this spot on his pants, and I, like, put my hand on it. I have no idea what it is. I'm not even thinking. Think, I'm just thinking, love of Jesus. Put my hand on it. Start praying. I'm like, hey, did it go away? He's like, uh, no, it's still the same. I'm like, okay, let me pray again. Pray again. I'm like, how does it feel? He's like, oh, it's, it's not healing. Go, Man, what, what happened? He goes, there's a bullet in there. I said, wait, come again? He said, I got shot by a drug dealer the other day. He said, two days ago, actually. I got shot, the bull and the bullet's still in there. I'm like, bro, why don't you go to the doctor? He's like, I can't. No, no, no I can't. I, I'm not allowed there. I'm like, all right, man, well, look, I've read these stories about Bethel Church where they've prayed for people and metal comes out of their body. I've never seen it, but I'm down to pray if you want to let me. He goes, okay. I start praying, and I go, in Jesus' name, metal, you must come out. And all of a sudden, he's like, oh, oh, my gosh. Whoa, wait, what? Wait, what? What did you just do to me? I'm like, I, I, I'm just praying Jesus is doing it. He's like, oh, gosh. Oh, God, it's moving. And we look, and his skin starts going like this. And I'm like, what? What? He goes, do it again. Do it again. I go, in Jesus' name, all metal, you must come out. He's like, oh, it's coming out. Oh, it's coming out. Should I take off my pants? I'm like, no, bro, what the heck? I'm like, no, go to the bathroom. He runs into a porter potty, and he comes out. He said he ran into the porter potty, and the bullet was sticking out of his skin. He grabbed it. It was a gold tip. He threw it in the urinal in the porter potty and runs out celebrating, telling everyone at the skate park that Jesus pulled a bullet out of his leg. Take that, unbelief. So why am I sharing these stories? Some people have studied before us, guys. They've gone before us, and they've seen great things. And so I study these people's lives, because I'm like, I want to learn from you. What, what have you learned that I don't know? And one of the things that I saw that coincided between John G. Lake, Reinhardt Bonnke, and Smith Wigglesworth, the three guys I just talked to you about, is that they all had this one verse that they used as their foundation for healing. You guys want to know what that verse is? That's how I was. I was like, yo, you better tell me right now. Now, this might offend some people. I, that's okay. You don't have to believe what I believe. I'm not asking you and I'm not telling you. I'm just inviting you. Okay? Like, if you come from another background, that's okay. I'm not saying I'm right, you're wrong. I'm just saying I learned from these guys, and this is the fruit that I've seen, okay? Acts 10.38 says this. It 
how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. One more time. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. One more time. And how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good, meaning it's good to heal. Doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. You know what these guys believe? That it's where I tend to lean a little bit towards because of what I've seen in their lives? Is that God brings healing and the enemy brings the things that need to get healed by God. That the enemy attacks. This is their, this is their faith and this is where I lean. You don't have to believe the same thing I believe. I'm just letting you know what I believe. That sickness, pain, those things come from the enemy trying to inflict and torment God's creation. And people are like, well, 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 Frenchie, what about the book of Job? And I'm like, what about the book of Job? People always said to me, what about the book of Job? I'm like, what about it? Have you read the book of Job? Because I've read the book of Job. And in my Bible, the book of Job says that the devil came and tormented Job and his family. It says the devil casted sickness. The devil gave them boils. The devil attacked. The devil killed. And then Jesus came and uh, Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit, they all came and restored. If you read the whole story, you'll see the devil came and attacked. People are like, well, what about Paul and the thorn in his flesh? I'm like, okay, well, first of all, have you really read the passage? Because number one, it doesn't say that it's sickness. I actually believe it's persecution. But I'm okay, let's say it is sickness. Let's say it is sickness. If you read the verse, it actually says, <laughs> a messenger from hell was sent to harass me. It's in the verse. People try to like debate with me like, well, what about Paul with the thorn in his flesh? I'm like, the verse says that a messenger from hell was sent to harass him and it's a thorn in his flesh. Why am I saying these things? Guys, because he heals. He loves to heal. Jesus loves to heal. What's your theology around healing? He loves to do it. That's my theology. Is it always his will? I don't know, but I know he loves to do it. That's what I know. He loves to do it. That's my theology. Okay? Is this helpful? Okay, last verse. Is this too much Bible or are you guys good? I, I, what I want to do, guys, I'm trying to give you tools because you're going to get challenged. Walking in power is extremely persecuted. Can I be honest? Can I be really honest? Religious people that don't believe in the power, like Muslims and different other religions or even Christians that don't believe in healing, are the ones that persecute us the most. That's just what's going to happen. But you know what? We don't get angry. We demonstrate. I never have to defend myself. All I have to do is demonstrate that it's real. Well, I don't believe that. Okay, well, let me show you. Come here. Follow me. All of a sudden, Jesus demonstrates himself. Then what? Now the wrestle's between them and God, not you and them. I'm not trying to get in a debate. Debate will never lead to fruit. But demonstration will lead to fruit. So we don't argue. We demonstrate. Sound good? All right, check this out. Matthew 8. Is this too much? Okay. Uh, I'm just giving you, like, content I've been wrestling through for a long time. I want you to have tools. Matthew 8, 14 to 17. One of my theology books says that uh, the scripture that says that by his stripes we are healed, 
that when we use that as a healing reference, that it's actually taken out of context and that it's not what that means. I'm like, okay, I can see how you can wrestle that one, but argue with this one. Matthew 8, 14 to 17. It says, Jesus came into Peter's house, saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her. She got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with the word and healed all the sick. How many? And it says, and this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. Argue that one. Another translation says, he bore our illnesses and bore our diseases. What does that mean? That means he took them suckers upon himself and took it to the cross. Scripture, I'm just showing you what the Bible says. I know there's probably going to be a line wanting to argue with me after. I'm just going to go like this. I'm just kidding. I love you. I'll answer questions. Okay. I'm just going to give you practice. Is Is this good? I know some of you are right here in the room. I'm not trying to make you angry. I know you already have your whole tool belt of arguments for me right now. Because, like, you grew up somewhere where they teach opposite. That's okay. And I know that you have all the right questions because you've been trained to ask the right questions to rebuttal this teaching. I'm okay with that. When I signed up for Christianity, I signed up for people to hate me. (laughs) That's what I signed up for. So... Here's what, I know people ask me all these questions. Well, why this, why that, why this, why that? Here's my question for those people in the room. If you really believe that sickness is God's way of making you suffer, okay, if, you really, if that's what you believe, sickness is God's way of making me suffer, why do you take medicine? Because if it was God's will to make you sick and make you suffer, then by taking medicine, you're opposing his will. You're actually directly going against his will. If that was what your belief system would be, then you would not let yourself take medicine and you would let yourself die because that's God's will for your life. Mother Teresa lived by this. She lived and died by this. So if that's your belief system, I encourage you, live by it. Mother Teresa would watch after people and she refused to let them take medicine and she would make them torment and pain and say, this is God's will for your life. Don't you touch that medicine. God's teaching you something. You're going to suffer and you're going to die. You better live like that. Do you know that? Okay, so if if that's your belief system, I I, I just encourage you, live it out. Love you. I'm just being savage for fun, guys. I love you. I love you. I love you. I'm just being savage. I get these kind of things at me too, so don't worry. I'm just having fun. Okay, practicals. Okay, practicals, practicals, practicals. Here's our practicals. How do we pray for people? Number one, we do an interview. Like what I did. 1 to 10, how bad does it hurt? 1 to 10, how bad is the sickness? 1 to 10, 1 to 10, how bad is the disease? 1 to 10, how bad is the skin rash? 1 to 10, how bad is the mental illness? 1 to 10, how bad, whatever it is, just ask. 1 to 10, how bad is it? 1 to 10, how bad is your sight? 1 to 10, how bad is your hearing? Why do we do that? Because we want a metric. We want to be able to gauge if it's diminishing. Also, we want to be able to gauge if it's getting worse. Okay, I remember... There's been times where I've prayed for people. I'm going to pray for you right now. Scale of 1 to 10, how bad? And they go, um, 8. I'm like, okay, I'm going to pray. I put my hand on their foot. I start to pray, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, wait, it moved to my elbow. <laughs> they don't need healing. They need deliverance. <laughs> 
because pain cannot move. I cannot like roll my ankle and be like, oh my gosh, it just went to my elbow. Now my elbow's rolled. So usually if it moves or it gets worse, you're no longer praying healing. You're now praying deliverance. Okay, just so you know, that's a free one. You're now going to move into deliverance. Okay, it moved. It's worse. We're not praying healing anymore. We need to break off whatever's coming against you. Okay, so at practicals, one to ten. How bad is it? And then you can ask where. I, that's usually as far as I'll go. How bad is it? Where is it at? Okay, awesome. Let's pray. You can ask other questions. I personally, I'm just giving you personal. I, I don't ask further because I don't want them to turn that into a Goliath. I would rather hear it after when it's already defeated and it's no longer a Goliath that's tall. It's a Goliath with his head cut off. Okay, so I usually ask after. Hey, man, how long was that there? Oh, crazy. But what I don't want to do, I don't want anything to contaminate my faith as I'm moving into prey. Okay, I'm trying to stay, stay rooted in faith, okay? Uh, so I just ask, where's it at? Okay, and then here's what I do. I begin to pray. Now, for the brothers and sisters in here that you come from a background where this is taught to be wrong, I understand why people believe that. Because they think that we're commanding God. When we go, in the name of Jesus, pain, you must leave. I need to make something clear. Even for those of us that do it, we are not commanding God. Never. We do not command God. God commands us. And so the misunderstanding that I've had with some of my friends is they go, you guys command God. I'm like, I don't command God. I command sickness. I'm telling sickness to leave. I'm not telling God to do what I say. God's telling me to pray. I'm doing what he says. And I'm telling sickness to leave. So how does this work? Number one, it's authority. It's like a police officer. If a police officer walks in here today and he's got a badge on, he says, everyone stand up, put your hands on your head. What are we going to do? We're going to stand up, put our hands on our head. Why? Because there's authority. It doesn't matter if he was a cop for one day. You get this? It doesn't matter if he's only been a police officer for one day. Even if he was a police officer for one minute, if he walks in with that badge on, we're going to obey because he has authority. Because his badge represents something greater. It doesn't matter if he's two foot nine. If he walks up in here, he weighs 40 pounds, he's two foot nine, he's like, put your hand on your head. If he walks in here and says that, we all have to do it because he has authority. Guys, as someone filled with the spirit of God, your cop badge is the seal of the Holy Spirit on your heart. It doesn't matter if you've been saved for one day, if you're two years old, or if you're one foot tall. If you have the Holy Spirit in your heart, you carry a badge that signifies you represent someone greater. That's your authority. That's where you pray from. You pray from that. I command you right now to leave. We're not beggars. Okay, we're not like, Jesus, please. Jesus, please, God, do it. That's a beggar. Like, can you imagine if a mom's in the house and the kid comes in? Or, yeah, the kid comes in and the kid's room is dirty. And the mom is like, go clean your room. <laughs> go clean your room. Is the kid going to go clean his room or is the kid going to be like, what are you doing? <laughs> That's not authority. That's begging. You know when the kid's going to go clean his room? When he walks in and mom says, you better go clean that room. Authority. Not a beggar. Authority. 
we pray with authority. We're not beggars. It's not about how long your prayer is. It's not about how many Bible verses you've memorized. It's not about how many cool theology words you've learned. It's not about how loud you pray. It's not about how much you've screamed. It has nothing to do with that. It's Jesus. And it's your faith is in him. Okay, so your badge, your authority is this Holy Spirit on your heart. You want to know what your power is? It's like a police officer walks in here. We're all doing something illegal. He has a legal right to pull out his gun and start going, pop, 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 pop. It's a legal right. You have a legal right to pull out the healing anointing and move in power. You have a legal right to pull out your arms. And when you see the enemy doing something that he cannot be doing, you pull out that gun and you begin to shoot. Ba, ba, pain, I command you to leave. Cha, cha, pa, pa, pa. You have authority and you have power, okay? And last thing, pray more than once. There's this story in Mark 8. This story just helps me so much. We're about to jump into ministry time. I'm done teaching. Okay, check this out. Mark 8. I'm going to read it, 22 to 26. It says this. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand, led him outside the village, and when he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? It's kind of weird. Close your eyelids for a second. That's what Jesus did. Spits a loogie on the ground, makes a little mud puddle, and then wipes spit mud on homeboy's eyes. Oh, no, he spits on his eyes. He didn't even spit on the floor. That's a different story. He spits straight on his eyes. I forgot that was a different story. Guys, he literally just walks up to him. Close your eyelids for me, bud. <laughs> Sick. And then he goes, you see anything? <laughs> Verse 24. He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Number one mistake. Number one mistake, man. Homeboy done messed up. The king of kings, the king of glory is standing right in front of him. And he goes, hey, do you see anything? And instead of looking at Jesus, he looks at other people. He goes, yeah, I see. In order for people to look like trees, they're not going to be close. They're going to be far. They look like squiggly trees. Number one mistake, eyes weren't on Jesus. They were on people. When you're praying for sickness, if your eyes are on the sickness, you lose. Because if you're looking at the sickness, the sickness is going to look bigger than the king. Your eyes must be on the king so that the sickness can be under his feet. When they're getting prayer, if their eyes are on you, they lose. You're not the healer he is. Their eyes cannot be on you. Their eyes must be on Jesus. Jesus is the one that's going to heal. Okay, is this helpful? Okay, so number one mistake, eyes were on other people, not on Jesus. Eyes must be on Jesus. Once more, Jesus put his hands, wait, whoa, whoa, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Once more, 
Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus prayed twice. If Jesus prayed twice, you and I might have to pray twice or thrice. Or twice. Like, yo, you get that? If Jesus had to pray twice, you and I are probably going to have to pray more than once, guys. Because I'm not Jesus. So when we pray, don't be afraid to pray more than once. Just be like, oh, man, nothing happened? Okay, let me try again. And you just keep trying. And if they're like, hey, you know what's okay? Just pray till you don't feel peace anymore. Just be like, oh, okay. All right, well, hey, thanks for letting me try. Thanks for letting me pray. Um, I still believe God can do it. And I still believe he wants to do it. I believe he loves you. This doesn't change anything, but I'm going to keep praying for you. I did that for a lady one time, saw her. She was like, oh, my knees. I go, can I pray for you? She goes, what? I go, are you a Christian? She goes, no, I was when I was a little kid. I go, can I pray for your knees? She goes, yeah, I've had chronic arthritis for eight years in both knees. I take Oxycontin every day. I go, okay, can I pray for your knees? She's like, okay, fine, whatever, if that's what you want. I go, okay, start praying. Anything? Nothing. Pray again. Less? Nope. Pray again. Look, I already told you, I have to take medication, okay? This is like clinical. Your prayer's not going to work. I said, all right, let me pray one more time. She said, fine. Put my hands on her knees. I go, Holy Spirit, I pray for healing on her knees, but if nothing happens, I pray for a revival in her heart. I pray right now that the spirit of revival would fall in her heart in the name of Jesus. I go, any better? She goes, no, nothing better. I go, okay, well, thanks for letting me pray. I run into her two weeks later. Homegirl, she's like an, an elder. She runs up to me and hugs the life out of me. She begins crying. She said, I was hoping I would see you again. She said, I woke up Sunday morning. I haven't been to church since I was a little kid. I don't have a car. I had to walk. My knees hurt so bad that morning. I walked to a little church on the corner of my street. They don't even speak English. It was in Spanish. I don't understand anything they were saying. But while I was sitting in this Spanish service, some little lady walks up to me and says, pray your knees. And I said, okay. She put her hands on my knees, and both knees got immediately healed. I have not taken Oxycontin. I have not taken any medication. Why do I say that? Sometimes we're so prideful, we feel the need to be the prayer that answers the healing. I'm okay with being a stepping stone of faith that leads to it 10 years later. But sometimes we're in our pride. We need to be the man of power of the hour. And we're not okay with just being a stepping stone that maybe two weeks later, some lady at a little Spanish church that doesn't even speak the same language is going to get a word of knowledge, touch their knees, and see them get healed instead. Guys, if it doesn't happen in the moment, it doesn't mean he cannot do it. Is this helpful? I love you guys. I really do. This is why I'm teaching you this. I love you. You guys ready to pray for each other? Okay, guys, we did this a, uh, a while back. I remember people taking their glasses off and their eyes were restored. <laughs> so crazy. I was like, what? There's no way. There's no way this is happening. I've seen crazy stuff. We've seen in just these activities like this where people are praying for each other. Crazy, 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 crazy things. Like years of pain, sicknesses, cysts. This girl had a cyst under her armpits for years. It was super painful, very sensitive to touch. And I'm like, in the, I'm in the front of the room. I get a word knowledge. I go, someone has uh, something under your armpit. It hurts really bad. Is that you? She was so embarrassed because she didn't want to tell the whole room that she had a cyst, that she didn't say anything. 
I was like, oh, maybe I got it wrong. Well, let me just pray anyways. I prayed against that. She comes up at the end of class, and she's like, that word was for me. I was just too embarrassed, but the cyst is gone. It's been there ever since I was a little kid. 